Well, we're starting a, we're in week two of a new series called Gains. Now, the whole idea of gains is that you're adding strength, that you're increasing in health and fitness. Today, we're going to look at emotionally. So it's super important. This is huge, a big part of any of us being happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. If we're not fit, if we're not healthy, if we're weak in these areas of our life, there's just no chance that that's going to take place. Now, all of us, every one of us, every one of us have, if you'll kind of imagine a battery, we have essentially four power cells, okay? And so closely related to our topics here, one power cell would be spiritually, uh, would be spiritual, another would be emotional, one would be physical, and one would be relational. Now get this, for all four of those power cells, this is super important right here, they auto-drain, but they do not auto-refill. So they just auto-auto-drain spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally. There's a drain that takes place, but it does not automatically refill or recharge. So for that, you and I must be, first of all, aware. You have to be aware of that. See, some people go through life and know something's wrong, but they don't know what it is, and they never poke and prod to find out what that is. And so they just drag on through life when if you were aware of some things, that certainly would help you. The second thing we need to do is to be intentional. And I believe that God pays attention to our intentionality. What we give our attention to, we are intentional about, God pays attention to and helps us in that process. So we want to make gains and specifically today we're going to talk about emotionally, emotionally being fit healthy and strong and making gains in that area. Amen. All right. Well, life, just living life hits us, hurts us, drains us. Has anybody found that out? If not, you live by yourself and you've not wandered far from home. Okay. So life hits us. It hurts us. It drains us. Even when you're just doing everything in the, in the right way, you know, and you're taking care of family and relationships and married or not children going to work, sharing, learning, studying, um, just going, you know, serving, helping others, maintenance of everything in our life, that is draining. Then go over into the other side of it all. And if you're worrying and fussing and fuming and fighting, lying and hiding, and you've got guilt or shame or unholy ties in your life, that will drain you and deplete you as well. So life, just life, however you live life is going to drain you. And I believe some things drain you more than others. Sin will drain you. Sin will depress you. And then on top of that, godly sorrow can park on top of your sin just to help you to to move back toward God. Some of you, some of the heaviness that you might would feel is just the hand of God, you know, weighing on you until you turn back to him. That's for somebody here here today. And so what happens is life drains us and, and life depletes us. And we want to study that a little bit today and what do we do about that. A number of years ago, the University of Washington did a study and put out a a report and it's a common tool in in a lot of counseling today. It's called the Holmes and Ray Stress Scale. And they measure 43 different life events that happen all the time, you know, and so there's 43 of these and they they measure by what is called life change units. And what they're measuring is stress. Have y'all heard of stress? And so here's some of them, death of a spouse. That's 100 points, divorce, 73, 
Go to jail, 63. Personal injury or illness, 53. Getting married, 50. Get fired at work, 47. Pregnancy, 40. Changing your financial state, 38. Foreclosure on a mortgage or loan, 30. Son or daughter leaving home, troubles with the in-laws, you know, different things that happen. And some of these are normal, and some of these are a little bit outside of normal. And what happens, though, they create stress. And what this scale does is it measures it, And so if within a 12-month period, if you score over 300, it is pretty much an automatic prediction that within the next year and a half or so, you're going to be either physically and or emotionally sick or even have a breakdown. So it's stress. And so we've got to know what to do with this and, and how do we handle this. And here's the thing that I want all of us to know, and I want you to look at me for this. No one is exempt No one is exempt. We all experience emotional draining. We all experience emotional depletion. And those that would say that they never do, I want to follow them around a little bit, you know, because we all do. So what we must be aware of and be intentional about are gains that we can make when it comes to the emotional realm of our life, which has to do with our soul. Amen. First, before I get into the, the bulk of this subject this morning, I want, I want to talk about depression. Depression. And this is not talked about enough, and especially in church. And so I want us to spend a little time on this. And as I said to you earlier, about two months ago, I'd kind of mapped out essentially where we would be in this series today. And then this last week... I participated in one funeral and I attended another funeral and both of those funerals were the result of suicide. And so I just see the hand of God and the timing of God that we talk about this today. So I want to spend a few moments on this. I want you to just be wide-eyed, wide-eared, wide-mind, wide-hearted on this because uh, this is pretty important. Now realize, first of all, that depression goes beyond emotional depletion. Two separate things. So sometimes we feel down because we're depleted. This is a separate type of thing. There are two categories for depression. The first would be situational, situational. The other is chemical. So first of all, situational would be, you know, it speaks for itself. A situation comes up, crisis, a trauma, something happens in your life. You do something in your life. And so you have situational depression. The other is chemical That also speaks for itself, and I'm going to address that in just a moment here, that something's not quite right in your physiology, in your chemistry, and that's that's throwing you off as well. Here's the thing. You must work to get relief and to resolve whichever category it would be, and there's levels within each of those. You must... You must seek out some help. You must seek to get relief and to resolve. And don't just sign off that, well, that's just the way I am or that's just the way life is. There is help for that. Look with me in in Job chapter 4. The Bible, there are plenty of verses the Bible discusses this. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Look in the Psalms here, Psalm 13. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? And so this is a real deal. And again, I want to separate it out from just emotional depletion, emotional exhaustion. This is depression. If you persistently feel sad, anxious, pressed down, empty, flat, have excessive crying, feelings of helplessness, worthlessness, hopelessness, start to have desperate thoughts. If those kind of things persist, then you need to get help. And Seek out spiritual help, but also seek out professional medical help. See, clinical depression is actually a medical 
disability. It's actually a, a medical, uh, and any kind of medical condition needs medical attention. You know with me? And this is a mood disorder. And just like in your body, if you had diabetes, your body is failing to regulate your blood sugar. So you have to supplement in that way and insulin, and it helps to provide what the body is not doing. In the same way, if you have a mood disorder that results in depression, the brain is failing to regulate uh, chemically, and they're called neurotransmitters, that actually control your moods. And so it can be chemical that that's happening. And you can get some help. You can get help for what the brain is failing to do, just like with insulin for diabetes or, you know, There are other things our body fails to produce. There are cholesterol medicines because the liver is not doing what it needs to do. And so you you get some help for that. And listen to me. I believe that all healing is from God. The enemy of your soul would do nothing to help you along. You seek God first, but then get some help and don't, you know, get some relief and get some resolve to this rather than just, you know, side off by yourself or fail to get help when help can be had. And when there's ample supply of these neurotransmitters, you feel normal, you feel buoyant, and you can handle things better. And and let me just say this, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, it's nothing to be ashamed of to get help for something your body is not producing to go ahead and get that help. So every message we do is to help you, but it's also to help you to help somebody. And just the way our world is today, you're probably, if, you know, if it's not happening with you, it could be happening with somebody nearby you. And you, you need to understand and have a good grasp on that instead of just hiding from all that and be able to be helped and also be able to help some others. Be ashamed of that. Get relief. All right. Now let's go back into emotional depletion. Everybody deals with that. This is separate from depression. Separate from depression, everybody deals with emotional depletion, emotional exhaustion. It happens. We get drained. And you don't medicate that. See, some people try to medicate everything. And you need to separate this out. You don't medicate emotional depletion. You learn how to fill your emotional tank back up. That's the plan that I'm going to give you today. Some people medicate everything. And so they're feeling off and they either... Legal or illegal, prescribed or self-prescribed or something you're growing in your yard. I said that because we just got back from Colorado. Well, listen, just just because you feel a little sad, feel a little anxious, it does not necessarily mean you've got to go medicate that. There's actually a simple plan. Some of you might even try to dismiss it. It's going to be so simple. I want to share with you today. But ways to fill your emotional tank back up rather than leaning on other things that over the long haul are not going to help you anyway. Amen. In the Old Testament, in the Bible, first half of the Bible there, um, there is a prophet. I would consider him an all-star prophet. His name is Elijah. Elijah. If you break down his name in the Hebrew, Elijah, Eli is my God and Yah has to do with Yahweh. So whenever his name was said, it was my God is Yahweh, which my God is the Lord. And so true to his name, God was strong in his life. He did 16 major miracles over the course of his ministry. Um, one time he prayed that the rain would stop and he said, it will stay stopped until I release it to go again for three years. It did not rain. And then he prayed and the rain came again. One time there was need for oil and He prayed and there was a vat of oil that would never run dry. Another time there was a container of flour 
and he prayed over it and it never ran out. Wouldn't you like to have a buddy like that? You're riding with Elijah and he goes, I don't have any gas money, but I can help you out. Another time he raised the little boy from the dead. The boy was dead and he went and laid his body over the little boy and he rose up again. All kinds of incredible miracles. And then one time there was this showdown between who has the real God. So there people were worshiping a pagan God named Baal. And then, of course, Elijah served and worshiped the one true God. And so there, there's, there was a showdown on a place called Mark, Mount Carmel. And Elijah came up with the rules. He said, hey, how about this? Whichever God answers by fire, that'll be the real God. Everybody plays. And whichever God answers by fire, that's who we're going to serve. So he said, you guys go first. So there were 450 prophets of Baal and then just one in that setting for God. And it was Elijah. So they did everything they could, and I'm just making this story really, really short, to get their God to answer by fire. Nothing happened at all. And then Elijah said, drown this. They had an altar covered with wood, you know, to, hey, here's what, start this thing with fire. Well, their God did not. So he said, just drown it. So they poured so much water on it, so much water on it. And then he prayed and and asked God to answer by fire and God consumed, you know, with fire. So amazing things. Well, all that done, and then... For our story, there's an evil queen, and her name is Jezebel. And she sends word to Elijah. What does his name mean? My God is Yahweh. My God is the Lord. She sends word to him and says, you're dead meat. You are a dead man because her prophets were defeated and destroyed. And so he ran, and he ran like nobody's business, and he was afraid. And get this, you would think with all that he'd seen God do, you would think with what just happened on Mount Carmel, unreal things. Y'all know what a miracle is. I mean, you just cannot explain it. And he watched these repeatedly happen at the hand of God, right in his presence. You would think with all that he'd seen of God, that this lady's words would mean nothing. It just wouldn't matter. But here's the problem. He was drained. He was spent. He was depleted. And look what happens here. Look in first Kings chapter 19. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life because a lady said something. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Verse four, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Verse five, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He was just, he was just spent, spent, doing good things spent. You know, in the earlier years of the church, church really started to grow. We were not on this property yet. We were in four Sunday morning services, plus a Sunday night service, plus a Wednesday service. I was preaching those all, preparing three messages a week, then preaching four Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was traveling some, speaking some. My kids were younger and growing up. And I, I started to run into times where I would run into the wall, so to speak. I was just, there's nothing there. I can remember finishing a Sunday morning, starting to turn my attention toward a Sunday night. And it's just like blank, empty, nothing. I remember crying out to God, even in our, in our other buildings over across from Sam's club, it's a McDonald's. Now it used to be a, a big building that we had there. And I remember saying, God, I'm serving you. Where are you? Where are you? I got, I've got nothing. And it wasn't God's fault, but it was during that time I began to learn some things and had some good people in my life and, and exposed to some good things that helped me to start to know that's what the issue was. Monday, I would feel almost depressed. Mondays, I would just feel so, so spent. It's like, I don't even like any of this. I hate church. I don't like people. How many of you know that's not good for a pastor? And then I started to learn, here's the problem. Here's the problem is you're, you're drained. And I 
began to learn how to refill myself, thank God. And so we've got to learn to do this. Elijah was doing all good stuff. I was doing all good stuff. And But here's the thing. If you're not aware of what's going on, you just drain yourself out and you end up depleted. So I want to give you three keys today. And we're going to do this quickly that will help you. This, Like I said, this is simple. Don't dismiss it though. Okay, don't dismiss it. Make sure you grab hold of this. Much of the problem with most people is the lack of awareness that they have of this. And then they don't have a plan. And so I want to make you aware. I want to give you a plan. First of all, first key to refilling is physical. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. All at once, an angel touched him. Remember, he's, he's just crashed. He's laying under a broom tree, broom bush tree. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Verse 6, and he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So first thing God did was to bring him some food. He sent an angel to bring him food. Anybody who ever brings me food, I consider to be an angel. And also this passage, don't misinterpret it, you know, because he's, they fed him. God fed him and put him to bed and woke him back up again to eat some more. That is not scripture for you to just stay in bed and, and eat. But here's what he needed. He needed to refuel physically. He had to rest. He had to refuel. Are you hearing me? You're going to have to rest. You're going to have to refuel. You're going to have to rest and you're going to have to refuel. Second key is this, spiritual. But I want you to see this in uh, 1 Kings 19 and we'll begin in verse, verse 11. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And this is interesting here because he's depleted, he's discouraged, he's depressed, but God showed Elijah how to find him. Did you hear me? God showed Elijah how to find him. God will show you how to find God. And I want you to notice it was not in the earthquake. It was not in the whirlwind, such a strong wind that it was breaking up rock. God was not in the fire. God was in the whisper. God was in the whisper. So part of spiritually what needs to happen is you need to get still. You need to get quiet. I'm concerned about pockets of the body of Christ today that I, that I see at large. They need to settle a little bit. Now, I believe every time we come together, we should have exuberant worship because of how great our God is. But I don't think we ever need to be hyper. I don't think we ever need to be just constant, you know, just, just, you know, we need to not worship worship. We need to worship God and we need to settle in in all of us, all of us. It's hard to do corporately, but all of us individually need to get quiet and still. Do you know what would happen if I had all of us? Okay, we're going to be quiet and still for a half hour. You know, we'd have everything going on. But by yourself, you're going to have to get still. And we talked about this last week, the importance of being still and being quiet and waiting for the whisper. I shared this quote with you last week in Armenian proverb, solitude is full of God. And then also I shared this with you last week as well. If you want a move of God in your life, anybody here want a move of God in your life? I mean, real deal. I want to see God move in my life. If you want a move of God in your life, it starts with you being still. You're going to need to be still, daily, quiet time. That will help to keep you charged. But realize this, that day in and day out, and then seasons and surges of life, 
You drain quickly, but you recharge slowly. I had a friend in high school. He was just one of those crazy guys, always funny, always doing stuff. And I still remember this. And I was in high school last century. But I remember on two different occasions, he got my keys. And I had a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen bug. And it was such a weak car. But it, my part of my exhaust for a while was rotted out. So it sounded like a bad car. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I remember one, one night I pulled up to a stoplight and another bug pulled up next to me and it was all souped up. And he heard me idling. <laughs> so he kind of revved his motor and looked at me. So I just revved and looked back at him. Light changed. He took off. So did I. But I was not going to back down from the challenge. But here, here's the thing. He, on a couple of occasions, got my keys, got into my car, turned the switch on, but not turned the motor on, just turned the switch on, and then turned everything on. Windshield wipers, radio lights, everything. So when I came out, nothing. I said, why did you do that? As I punched him in the ear. He says, funny. I said, that is not funny. And so what I had to do was get jump start. Now listen to me for a moment. Some people live with jump starts. Some of you are going from jump start to jump start. You're going okay. And then you're like, over here, could you hook up? Could you jump me? And then you get, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, and then it's week after week. It's every other day kind of thing. You've got to be. And here's what you need. You don't just need that jump start. You need a slow charge. You need that trickle charge that lasts hours. It goes overnight or, or all day or something because we drain so quickly. But sometimes we've got not just that quick burst. We've got to slowly recharge. So beside your daily quiet time with God, zero in on this with me right now, you need Sabbath. Our culture is forgetting about Sabbath. And yet God said, this is holy and this is important. Look with me in Exodus, if you will. Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. We'll talk about that in a moment. Next verse. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your wife nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your strength. Didn't mention your wife. Stay with me. Nor your servant who is within your gates. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. This is one of the Ten Commandments. This is one of the things that we are to do. There's some debate among some that it's supposed to be on Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. After the resurrection of Jesus... Believers and followers of Jesus moved that to Sunday, the Lord's day, and it's observed there. Jesus said this, though. He said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The important thing is, is that you get one. I'm not getting a Sabbath today. I'll get my Sabbath tomorrow. It's important that you do that. Sabbath means to cease, to rest, to have intermission, to pause. And so what you do is you cease from what you're doing. Well, I can't do that, Pastor, because i got to work because I'm going to make money. There is money to be made. Yes, there is. All labor leads to profit. And whenever you work and work right, money will, will come to you. But I'll just throw this out. I'll just drop this with you real quick, though. Do you imagine today that if Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, and there are many, many, many others, if Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, if they were open today, do you think they would make a lot of money? Come on. Do you think they would make a lot they would make bukoodles of money. There are other business models that are wondering why they don't open because there's so much money. And yet they're at the top of their markets because their founders are followers of Jesus Christ, believers of God's work. Wait, 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 wait. 
And they believe in the principle of Sabbath and therefore shut it all down. And here's the thing. You might could make some money, but my question would be, but is it blessed? And I would rather have it blessed. And and, the, and part of the reason you can hardly get into a Chick-fil-A sometime is because there is a blessing on there. And, and businesses, there are numerous businesses across the land and people's lives that if you will give God that time, six days do your work, rest. And God said that he would bless the Sabbath. And I, I believe that the rest of your days are blessed because you honored the Sabbath. Now, part of what we do on Sabbath is what you're doing right now is that you come and you worship and you learn that is prescribed by scripture. You should do some other things as well. You should rest. You should express a lot of gratitude. You should do something other than work. Sabbath does not just mean go to church and be a couch potato. Do some other things, play and so forth. Do things that fill your tank. John Ortberg, he's a a pastor and a writer. He says this, eat foods you love to eat. Listen to music that moves your soul. Play a sport that stretches and challenges you. Read books that refresh your spirit. Wear clothes that make you happy. Surround yourself with beauty. And as you do all these things, give thanks to God for his wonderful goodness. And I believe that if I had you uh, mention the word holy, the Sabbath is holy. That means consecrated or set apart. It's to be set apart different than the other days and set apart for God. And as a result, God blesses that day and blesses the rest of your week and what you set your hand to do. So part of our spiritual refreshing is you must have Sabbath. One other spiritual thing I want to hit real quick, and this is just a break glass in case of emergency kind of thing, because we're dealing with depletion. We're dealing with feeling down sometimes. And I've shared this with you before. Whenever you're feeling off a little bit, feeling kind of down, you should kind of poke and prod and question, what is this? What is this? Don't just say, well, I'm just down. Don't bother me. Give me coffee, you know, or whatever your deal is. Don't, don't do that. Spend a little time. What, what's going on? What's going on? You want to find out what, what, what's happening with you. Sometimes you can locate it. This week, later in the week, I was just kind of, just some heaviness. And I realized it was those funerals this week and hurting families. That, that hurts. That's understandable. But you want, you want to kind of check and see what that is. And then sometimes, and I did this just the other day as well, there was no reason for why this heaviness was on me. And I've come to learn this. I have an enemy in my soul. And he would love to just press me down and put a spirit of heaviness on me and upon you. So what do you do about that? Here's what you do. And here's what I do. And I've done it for years and it works for me every time. I just calmly and quietly in the authority of Jesus name, I just say in Jesus name, whatever this is, leave me now. Sometimes I'll repeat it. I don't have to scream. I don't have to put on camo. I don't have to climb a mountain. It's, it's in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus and an awareness that this cannot stay on me. And I will encourage you, just keep that one with you because there'll be times, pay attention to that. There'll be times that you need to clear that out. Amen. Quickly, one last one. How do we fill ourselves back up physically, spiritually, and lastly, relational, relational. Here's the relational key. In first Kings, and we won't read it right now, but we see that God said, I want you to go back and get with some people. And the people that he was to go back and get with were some people that were doing some things. Listen, one of my mentors, A.R. Pastor A.R. Bernard says this, if you're the smartest one in your group, it's time to get a new group. Okay. So if all the people you hang out with, if you're struggling, they can't help you. 
They don't have some joy and strength. They're not happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. They couldn't encourage you, couldn't pray for you. It's time for you to just kind of say, you know, I I love y'all guys. I'm praying for you, but you need to be with some people. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says this, woe to him who is alone when he falls because he has no one to help him up. We are better together. You have to have some people in your life. To others, you have to have some other people in your life. Quickly, there are four kinds of people, okay? Four kinds of people. Ready? Adders, subtractors, multipliers, and dividers. Y'all, that was math. Four kinds of people. There are people who add, subtract, multiply, divide. Thank God for caller ID. Leave a message. Don't leave a message. You need adders. You need multipliers in your life. You need to have those people in your life. Ask God to bring them into your life. We have settings where you can find folks like that. It is so important physically, spiritually, relationally, that you fill your tank back up. Bottom line for us, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He gives the joy of salvation. And Jesus, our high priest at the right hand of the Father, is moved. He's touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. And he's able to help us. I pray that this message has helped you today. Did you get any? Father, I pray your blessing upon your people now. Thank you for the truth and the light of your word. And I I pray, Father, also, and I just declare right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, if there's any spirit of heaviness on any of us, I just declare in Jesus' name, leave the people of God now in Jesus' name. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for a plan, our steps ordered to a bright place where we can be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. Bless your people now. Keep them safe in Jesus' name. Amen.